0: What's up, sports fans? This is Sports Psych MD's episode 19, a tribute to you. Yes, that's right. We wanted to dedicate a podcast to you guys. We want to talk about the highs and the lows of being a fan. We want to talk about the excitement, the passion, all the experiences of being a fan, and then also how athletes, right, are affected by fans and and, and fan bases. We want to talk about stories like the one of my friend Eric Benedetti, uh, who's also the commissioner of my fantasy basketball league, and how his wife told me he was depressed for two weeks after he lost the fantasy basketball championship. Stuff like that. What
1: about when you didn't make the playoffs in our fantasy football league this season?
0: (laughs) We're not going to go there, man. You know, he had to talk me off the bridge. I probably shouldn't have said that because I don't want to lose my my medical license. But look, listen, this is all about you guys. We're going to have some fun today. It's going to be a longer episode. But bear with us. You're going to enjoy every moment. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Do do you feel me? Do you feel me? Do you feel me? Mic check. One, two. Sports Psych MDs. Ready for another one. Here we are. Here we are. And another one. Yeah, what's going on, y'all? So... We want to talk about you. I said it. Who? That's right. Me? I wanna talk we wanna talk. We wanna talk about you. The fans. The fanatics. The fanatics. I'm assuming each and every one of
1: us, Armin and I included, and everyone listening to this, is a fan or has been a fan of sports. Absolutely maybe no. since day one. Maybe right. maybe there's some people that are just now becoming fans of sport or sports. I think in Europe we're not in UK, yeah. We're yeah, they in, say sport in the UK. They say sport over there. We're not no. the sports psych MDs, we're the sports psych MDs. Either yeah, don't or. forget it. Yeah, no. I'm excited Same for
0: today, sports psych MDs, sports psychiatry. And okay, so the reason why we want to talk about you I wanted fans, to do this podcast for really, so long. We're talking about us too cuz we're fans is uh because it's super super interesting to talk about and you'll you'll see what I mean as we get into this. But also because it's kind of an interesting and I think important topic for athletes and, and people in sports because fans are, first of all, the the market, right? I mean, they're the ones that are paying these players salaries, these coaches salaries, um, you know, keeping these people in business, oh, yeah. you know, they're, we're, we're obviously the ones responsible for these great commercials, right? They're, the commercials are for us, the fans, but you know, there's, like with anything in life, there is a good and a bad, right? Especially in excess and, you know, gift and a curse. That's just what it is. Being a fan, you definitely experience the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. You know, watching your team either take home that championship or, you know, watch them fall uh, or in, in n- disgrace. Or, or never, ever have a chance to Whatever. Win. Yeah, well, God, the purgatory, yeah. I mean, no one wants that. Cleveland um, Indians. Oh um, God. There's plenty. But, the Cubs we,
1: were the lovable losers for a long time. We,
0: we feel for those teams um, and those fan bases, right? And then there's also, of course, the experience of the player. I mean, you know, the, the players rely on their fans, right? Uh, For so many different reasons. I mean, so many different ways. That's
1: why they get paid.
0: That's right. And so we want to connect all these dots, you know, and just kind of open up this conversation about these experiences, you know, the experience of being a fan and the experience of being a player having to, you know, to deal with
1: (laughs) all that pressure of all these
0: fanatics (laughs) for sure under Um, the
1: microscope, like we've talked about in a lot of different episodes. Yeah, this this episode's for the fans. Armin and I are both fans. I've been bugging Armin for weeks about wanting to do an episode dedicated to the fans. Um, But it's this is going to be for the fans, but also for the athletes and coaches and everyone involved with sports.
0: Yeah, man. And and, you know, a conversation like this, I, I think we'd be remiss if we did not kind of start this off by just opening it up about like, what, what, what does it mean to be a fan, right? There's a lot to it. Well, uh, first off, the root.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, let me, Can
0: I ask you a question, Armin? What? what? Well,
1: What's up? You're, you said you're a fan. I want to hear about some of your experiences of being a fan.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I would love to get into that with you. Um, get into it. let's talk about, first and foremost, the word fan comes from the word fanatic, all right. Most people probably know that. Some people may not. But, um, I mean, a fanatic, you know, you, you think about someone that's overzealous. Um, you think about someone that's crazy, really, you know, crazy over whatever it is, you know, crazy in love, you know, crazy in hate, you know, whatever the case. But Can I give you um, the Webster Dictionary definition? By all means. A
1: person filled with excessive and single-minded zeal, especially for an extreme religious or political cause. In this case, we're talking sports.
0: <laughs> sports can be a religion for some. You know, we all know that. There's a reason why
1: NFL's on Sundays,
0: huh? Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, me personally, I definitely consider myself to be a big fan of sports and a variety of sports. Just like I'm a big fan of music and a variety of different types of music. Um, and so I have two experiences that uh, really just stick in my mind right when i think about my greatest fan moments right in my life there's two so we talked about the highs and lows so my low point as a fan was probably one of my first experiences of being a fan Uh so it's kind of uh great that things turned out that I, i actually still uh ended up loving sports because my introduction to sports was not so great um as you guys know, hopefully by now, know a little bit about me, I'm from uh, the Maryland, D.C. area. And so, you know, Washington Redskins were the team mm-hmm. in, that, in that area for, for quite some years. Now we have the Ravens, but the Ravens didn't arrive until yeah, it's a, around 97, It's a good thing you guys
1: have the Ravens now.
0: Um, yeah, exactly. Redskins I aren't,
1: mean, well, our words aren't doing too good. Yeah, I mean, Some you know, people.
0: Lamar Lamar Jackson starting revolution for sure. It's you know he's just turning things around. That city needed a hero. Okay, and we're going to talk Joe a lot Flacco more about Lamar. Flacco wasn't that hero. <laughs> Flacco, Flacco, yeah. But I mean, one thing about Flacco, uh, he did he did represent the values, okay, of of that city. He was the type of dude that you know he was a hard hat dude, right? He showed up to work every yeah. day. You know what I mean? That steadiest,
1: Any, conscientious type steady of guy. One of the rock.
0: He won a championship for sure, and he beat Tom Brady. He beat Peyton Manning in Denver. And, 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 and your boy Belichick. That lucky Hail Mary. Uh, I think in two, two championship yeah. games, okay? So he was nothing to play with, but he usually just kind of had his moments. Most of the time, he was pretty flat. Anyway, Lamar Jackson, great uh, champion, emerging champion for the Ravens. But the We're, good, we're talking finished. about the old school of that area, the DMV area. Bring us back. D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Uh, it's all about the Skins, all about the Redskins. Um, what are your thoughts on that name? <laughs> let's not even go there, dog. I mean, we could go all into that. Um, but what's interesting about that, too, is that, you know, crazy fan base, man, crazy fan base, they don't care about how politically incorrect that is. They were like, we want our Redskins. We want our mm-hmm. name. No exceptions. Back in the 80s, this was a great franchise extraordinary okay they won multiple super bowls in the 80s they have legendary players they had you know the the posse the big three you know wide receivers gary clark ricky sanders and art monk i think those are the three legend right um john riggs john riggs the fullback you know he won some uh games for him back in the 70s riggins but what was magical about 1987 okay this is a year. It was a great year. You was born. That, yes, that uh, the Redskins won the Super Bowl. Um, so the starting quarterback, Mark Rippon, went down on injury, okay, and had to be replaced in the Super Bowl by a journeyman quarterback named Doug Williams, okay? And this guy, he was an African-American player, okay? And for those of you who know the history of football, not that many black quarterbacks in the 80s. Very few, okay? And so this guy stepped in for Rippon and he won the Super Bowl, okay? As a backup quarterback, black quarterback. But what's even more magical about it was how he did it. He dominated. The Redskins dominated that game. It was amazing. It was John Elway, you know, I think his first or second year in the league. A lot of promise, but he got dominated, Okay uh in that in that game and uh it was it was triumphant it was historic why so bad why, what was so bad um you know you know the city won championship you know all these great things and actually one of my family members a cousin of mine was on that championship team all right his name is monty coleman oh shit he was a linebacker with that super bowl winning team so it was a big time for my family all right lots of big things so because my family member was on the super bowl winning team we got to go to the parade, or we went to the parade to, you know, to show some extra support. Was that downtown DC? Yes, and I remember, you know, I was down there about six years old, so I was a kid, I was small, um, and I was wise enough at this stage of my life to at least understand, okay, our team won, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to celebrate. I get it, like, okay, that's why those people are here, but I could not have been prepared for this experience. I mean, it was pandemonium. It was absolute. I mean, it was crazy. Like, people were screaming and just, you know, running. I mean, you know, and it was almost like being, you know, in like, you know, a a A a Pentecostal church. (laughs) You know, it was just like, you know, it was pandemonium. Okay. And, And then people were throwing stuff. And then I actually ended up getting hit in the head by this flying roll of toilet tissue, toilet paper. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) And, you know, I I just wasn't, I think it was just so many people and, you know, obviously I'm much smaller. Were they turning
1: over cars um, and climbing up light poles? I mean, they
0: might as well have been. In my six-year-old mind, it was terrifying. You probably never seen anything like that before. Nothing like that before. And um, I just, I mean, I, I understood what excitement and enthusiasm meant, you know, but I hadn't seen anything quite like that before. That was a different level for me. So it was uh, kind of traumatizing, yeah. kind of traumatic. And uh, that was my, one of my first experiences with, you know, watching sports or being a part of any sort of, you know, sporting event. Uh, and that was a low, the high. It was uh, game seven. Okay. Yes, I was present for a Game 7 NBA, um, Eastern Conference Finals, 2011, all right? LeBron James, the Miami Heat, the big three with you know, Chris Bosh, D. Wade, going up against arch-nemesis Boston Celtics, Right, And for years, LeBron, you know, particularly when he was with the Cavaliers, he had fallen short, you know, taking down the, Boston, the mighty Boston Celtics, you know, Doc Rivers and this whole thing. Man, broke through. It broke through in a big way. It was such an exciting the the, the game was magical. Um, you know, I was there with my best friend, and, uh, you know, he and I, we used to kind of devise these schemes to, like, you know, basically sneak our way into a fence. Um, and we found a way to get into this thing. We, had, we didn't have tickets for it. It was like literally something we decided to do what? on a whim. Yes, true story. One day, maybe we'll talk, we'll talk about that story. You snuck being, in? We found a way in. Is this in Miami or Boston? This M- in Miami. Miami. Oh, yeah. Yeah. South um, Beach? Yes. It was amazing. But, um, yeah, it was because uh, I, I was much younger then. you know, I think I was still in med school at the time. So didn't have money for, you know, drop $2,000 on a ticket. Um, yeah.
1: Imagine those South Beach tickets. Pretty pricey to see LeBron, oh, Bosch, d Oh, God. Yeah, Game 7. Garnett, no, but Allen. it was
0: the, the thing that I, I, I remember the most about it. First of all, you know, it came out of the wire. So, I mean, we're talking about, like, you know, the, I mean, the, you know, everybody's on the edge of their seat, right? And, and you know, it's like, you know, the fourth quarter, uh, five minutes left in the game, the Heat were down, right? And, I mean, look, like, this was it. This was it for LeBron. I mean, man, I, I really believe if, if he had lost that game, uh, they had lost that series, I, I don't know, man. I I, I really don't believe he would have become anywhere close to the player, you know, that, that he has. Um, so it was a do or die kind of moment for not just that, that team, you know, and that city, that franchise, but, you know, this player's, you know, the, the arc of, of his career. Mm-hmm. And everyone knew it. You know, I just feel like you could feel it. It's, you know, everybody's there. A lot it's of a tension. Fan. Everyone there is there for that game is a huge fan of the NBA, most likely, right? So everybody understood the story. We all know, you know. And uh, the way they lost the year before to Dallas. Everything was riding on this man. Oh, and you yeah, know what? A lot of pressure. LeBron came through. He hit the big shot. He hit the go-ahead. You know, he, he was a champion, you know. He, and, and you felt it. We were living his story, okay, as fans. And the thing I'll never forget, okay, the most was when when you know everyone knew it was like maybe a few seconds left and you know game was pretty much over and somebody called time out i guess and um it, it just the entire arena erupted okay erupted this time the pandemonium was something i was a part of like i understood it i was in the moment and it was unreal it was like a supernatural experience you know just like the sound waves bouncing off of the arena and just it was like you know the spirit oh, was man. moving all right it was, it was electric you, you it was electric and i'll never forget it you know i'll never forget it so yeah Dude. what about you
1: Oh, you just telling that story it gets me hyped up, oh, man. <laughs> and we're gonna get into why maybe why you felt so that those intense feelings, or why that electricity was there all throughout the arena. Yeah. But I have a similar story. It's funny, kind of kind of mirrors yours. And um, as a kid growing up in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, I, I went and saw countless University of Tennessee football games. Peyton Manning was there at the time. Huge Peyton Manning fan. Uh, also went to a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers playoff games. Nothing better than seeing those those terrible towels, those bright, vivid, yellow, terrible towels waving in the snow on a freezing cold Pittsburgh night. But my favorite sporting event experience was I'd moved to Indianapolis the same exact year the Colts drafted Peyton Manning. So obviously, I'm naturally going to, even though I'm a Steelers fan, I'm going to naturally be a Colts fan now because Peyton Manning's on that team, and I'm obsessed with Peyton Manning, as you guys know, as Arma knows. And guess what? It was difficult those first few years, obviously, Um, and then he started doing better, and but then he would face this guy named Tom Brady in the playoffs and the, <laughs> and the Patriots and Bill Belichick. And thing, things Things never good. really seemed to go his way. And um, yeah. at the time, I, you know, oh, my dad had season tickets. So then comes 2006 season, and we get home field advantage, meaning, and I'm, I'm saying we, we because the fan, is this, this, is, this is part of the, being a fanatic, right? You, you, you get an ownership into the team, and you start using we. Anyways, um, we get home, the Colts get home field advantage. Uh, We make it to the AFC Championship game, and guess who we're playing? The New England Patriots. There it is. Um, So this is an early 2007 AFC Championship game, Patriots at the Colts. This is back in the RCA Dome. Mm. Tiny little dome. I don't know if there's a louder place in the country than the RCA Dome. Rumors have it, maybe they pumped in some noise with the speakers, (laughs) whatever. Anyways, down 21-6 at halftime. And like I was saying earlier... This is kind of similar to what LeBron faced. Oh, yeah. He hadn't overcome that huge hurdle to become a champion yet. And Peyton hadn't done that either. And he's facing his arch nemesis and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. And they're down 21 6 at half. He, threw, he actually threw an interception um, right before the half. Ooh. And at halftime, classic oh, Manning. I am sweating. I'm feeling that intensity. I'm having that, what well, we'll talk about that. I'm feeling that stress, that suffering, that pain. But the second half, oh, it was amazing. Colts ended up coming back, winning that game, the loudest I've ever heard, the RCA Dome. Uh, they scored a touchdown on they uh, to take the lead. It was like a fumble, and then uh, yeah. one of the linemen recovered in the end yeah. zone. And then there were still like 40 or so seconds left. Brady had a chance to come back and win it, and he throws a pick. Marlon Jackson intercepts it. Game over. Peyton finally beats Tom Brady, finally beats Bill Belichick, and they go to the Super Bowl. And they end up winning the Super Bowl in Miami against the Chicago Bears and, and Rex Grossman, despite Devin Hester returning the kickoff. But that experience in that RCA Legendary. Dome yeah. with my father and my brother, it was unreal. And yeah, and something you never guys probably it. talk
0: about to this day. Absolutely, you
1: know? <laughs> My, if you put a heart rate monitor on me, I was probably bumping at one seventy throughout the entire game, oh, yeah. going through the highs and lows. At halftime, I was I was probably damn near crying. I wasn't drinking age at the time, so I wasn't drowning my sorrows just yet. But I was just feeling those emotions. And at the end, it was since I had the lowest of the low at halftime, I hit the highest of the high when we won that game, and it was glorious. High fives all around. I'll never forget it. And. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it, it's a very similar story to what you said because we both kind of inv- had this investment into these individual players, but also the teams, the backstories, yeah. overcoming their nemesis. Oh yeah, cha- I mean it's
0: like reading a novel. Yeah, you know, you, you, you get drawn in. You know, you're you're, you're a part of it. You know, and I
1: don't think and I've I've been to a Super Bowl. I went to the Steelers Seahawks Super Bowl in Detroit, and the Super Bowl is a little different because you got a lot of corporate people there. It's 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 a mix of both fan bases so it doesn't get as loud. Like an AFC championship game, I imagine it would be a lot like a Game 7 in the NBA Finals oh, or Western Conference Finals yeah, or Eastern Conference yeah. Finals. That home crowd, that electricity. Oh, oh, oh I, I miss that feeling. Right. Um, so yeah, man, this, this podcast episode is all about those experiences and right. why we f- why it feels so great
0: to be a fan. I know, yeah. And, and the, you know, another thing that, that does kind of bind you and I is the type of fans that we are right there's kind of different types of fans i mean you know there 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 are fans like us of players right it's like it's not necessarily about you know that the team because if that player would were to, were to go to a different team we'd be rooting for the other team right but it's it's about you know the players and that story
1: right yeah. and kind of I following mean,
0: that story like from start to finish yeah
1: and i i love that because and we're going to talk more about the different types of fans and i happen i have like I've been a fan of these teams for so long, but I, there's also now that I'm getting older, I've talked about another podcast where I'm starting to become more fans of these individuals. Yeah. But before we get into that, you want to talk about like why fans watch sports? Why sports beca- can become so addicting? Yeah. I feel like there's there, a lot of reasons, a lot of good reasons. There's a couple different layers to this. There's different layers. Let's yep. start out with like the more kind of obvious layer, the more obvious things. Mm-hmm. Sports are entertainment, yep. right? You, you get these. Kind of highlight real plays, the dunks, the one hand OBJ one handed catches. You see these amazing feats of strength mm-hmm. and athleticism, like LeBron James. Obviously, um, some people appreciate this crazy
0: teamwork. How all, everyone can work together for this common goal. Yeah, I'm, you know I'm actually most impressed of all feats, mm-hmm. right? Athletic feats by guy by, by soccer players when they are h- hitting those header the header oh, yeah. the header shots. When it's like the ball's in midair, oh, yeah. it's like, boom, like just flying in headfirst, you yeah. know, or like when they do those sort of like lateral sidekick oh, shots, like the bicycle kicks, the bicycle kicks, or whatever, man, I'm like, oh. I, I, it's unbelievable. Zlatan Ibrahimovic
1: coming to LA yeah. and hit those crazy shots. Yeah. yeah. This stuff is just, it's it like triggers almost. And we'll get into this, like this primal excitement, but sports for me too, is also versus like watching a television show. Or a movie. Sports are unpredictable. There's some there's uncertainty to it. You you don't know what the outcome's gonna be. You're obviously gonna have your conspiracy theorist that thinks everything's rigged, obviously for the bigger cities or whatever. But the uncertainty, I think, it is just another layer of excitement. And then obviously, like you have the uniforms and the pageantry and the, all the bright colors and the, the violence.
0: <laughs> yeah, the 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 moments of mindfulness uh or lack thereof like with the miles garrett situation yeah. you know just like yeah people just totally going crazy yeah i like the controlled violence and more. then and then all of a sudden it's like you know this stuff goes viral on social media and everybody's talking about it And it's like what the fuck was he i thinking? got a beef
1: for the, the social media and this is a little side tangent but i feel like nowadays especially in basketball people are getting more hype to see a, a highlight reel uh, crossover Versus, where oh, like yeah. you know, where the guy like crosses the guy <laughs> over, but he really kind of just shoves him down and then hits a shot. Right. Like people get more excited That's about true. the person getting the his, ankle, his ankles <laughs> crossed, than the actual like <laughs> final score, like the play.
0: Right. Yeah, because like they'll show the guy who get, getting like like dunked on, right? But then his team won, so it's like, yeah, the, what do you care about? Yeah, you know?
1: so, it, oh, man, and then some of it's like art, it's like poetry in motion, like it's this is entertainment. Yeah. And just like watching a thrilling movie. Um, and then the other layer or the other more obvious thing is I feel like the sense of community or belonging you get. That's the
0: biggest thing, man. Yeah, it's binding. You know, you know it, it, it really does connect people. Right. Because a team like, um, you know, let's say a professional sports team right that franchise represents that entire community it's everybody's team right like yeah the los angeles lakers i mean the los angeles clippers we got i guess we have two teams but Would you I see mean, the, have you seen the clippers ads the billboards they're, yeah, they're, they're really coming tra- after us man they really what is it it's uh what's the slogan now
1: not, not they like uh not highlights but street lights yeah
0: la our way right la our way okay yeah and then one of the area codes for LA, like, and when I say LA, I'm talking about sort of like the, the like, mm, like the city of LA, right? Not like Beverly Hills, yeah.
1: right? You're talking like Inglewood, like, Compton, you know what I mean? Downtown. Like the real
0: is 213. Two, like yeah. two one three is like kind of the like Hollywood kind of promotes three one zero, right? But what a lot of people don't realize who who you know aren't from LA or live in LA is, is that hollywood beverly hills like brentwood but that's like a different part of l i mean it's la but it's like a different thing from like the that's a lot of main, transplants too mostly transplants exactly the they the people that actually like were born here raised here you know and like kind of a, the blue collar quote unquote yeah. right of la is really actually more in that kind of south la and and that's not how that's that's two one three it's not three one zero. I mean, it's three one zero, but two one three. I think you know it, it more resonates with the city, city. You know, and and the, the Clippers are going after that. I L-A-R-way. love it. L A R way. L A R way. You know, and these are the kind of things that really resonates with a fan base. It's like these, this team. You know, they get us. They are our our experience, right? And they're going out there putting it on the line for us. Yeah. You know?
1: And it's, you get a sense of tribalism. We've talked about this before where everyone wants to be fit in somewhere. Everyone wants to have that sense of community. And I think it, it is kind of built into our genetic code to be tribal. And like we talked about on another episode where if you're a Green Bay Packers fan, you're not going to – you may not want to have a dinner with a Bears fan. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like no. you automatically pick a side, but you feel this connection with the people around you. And and being – I'll just give a quick example. Like I, I'm obviously a, Pitt, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and anytime I see like a, a Steelers bumper sticker, maybe I'll give a little toot on my horn and like, wee, what's up? Or I just – it it creates almost this instant connection, a common interest, so you can open up lines of communication. And I feel like that's desperately needed in this day and age. But you get that that common interest really binds people together from all different walks of life. If you represent one, or if you're a fan of one team, you automatically feel connected. And I I don't think you can, we can't emphasize that enough.
0: No, we can't. And here we're talking about communities, but I mean, what about Nations like the Olympics, like the Olympics, or the
1: World Cup. Olympics, man, I I love watching the Olympics. Everyone, USA, chance, USA. Oh
0: my God, yeah. You know, I mean, literally, it it brings together entire nations of people. Yeah,
1: I've I've been. I went to Italy a couple times, and recently they didn't make the World Cup, and that was like a disaster for that country because they had made. They hadn't missed the World Cup in like sixty years, and they won it four times. And what I've heard from talking to people from from Italy is that that's the only time that country comes together and is united is during the world cup that's the only time you see the italian flag and me they don't
0: have like uh oktoberfest like in germany okay (laughs) just got it and
1: me being a quote-unquote italian american i'm like i didn't necessarily realize that until i actually went there and talked to people yeah but people say like when the nation plays that's the only time italians are joined together and when they lost people would throw out quotes like we lost a moment of sharing we lost a moment of beauty. Wow! Like s- sports can really bring people together. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was the Olympics in, in Germany, where it was like we went there? We talked about it on that one episode. We we went mm-hmm. to the, with I think Jesse Owens. Yeah, no, it was the, it was the Yeah, it was, the was Olympics in, the in Germany right? where the Nazis were trying to show the whole entire world that yeah. they had the the perfect race or right. whatever. The, we just, the Aryan like, race was yeah. the,
0: you know, the supreme, supreme the, race. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And the United States just went in there. Obviously, Jesse Owens is a huge part of that and yep. just
0: dominated it. Yep. That's right. And, and I mean, at this point now, I feel like you know, being a fan of athletic competition, man, it's in our DNA. It's in the human DNA. It's in our genome. I mean, we're talking about, there, there are stories going all the way back to like Greek in roman com- communities oh, yeah. right getting together at the coliseum oh, yeah. and you know like and, and cheering on you know the chariot race or whatever you know oh yeah it, bring, it brings people together
1: oh man and yeah. and people so there's some people who say that sports are immature why are you living vicariously through something that at the end of the day has no meaning it does it connects people and that is that is what we need as a society is, oh, yeah. to, is to feel connected. That's so right. the, the last um, kind of obvious thing is a lot of people as kids, before they really realize it, maybe they become fans because their parents are fans or people they grow up around are fans. Mm-hmm. That's all you know essentially that I'm sitting – around at home, and this is the only time I get to spend with my dad or my mom is when we're all sitting and watching the, uh, the Vikings play, if you're, if you're a Minnesota fan. Or, or This is the only time we're all watching the Lakers play, and you feel that connection with your family while watching the sport, and then over time as you get older, you have that, what I like to call, a nostalgic connection to it. So anytime there's a Vikings game on you have those feelings from your childhood when you were watching the game with your dad and you saw him like screaming and dancing around and having a good time and you're like, all right, this feels,
0: you're in tune to that. Yeah, I mean, nostalgia is a, an emotional experience that is rooted in being able to relate to a very pleasant feeling connected and shared by others, connected mm-hmm. with and shared by others, you know but also like,
1: connected to your past.
0: Yeah, and it's you know, an indoctrination it's cool. is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's indoctrination. It's yeah. like you, without even realizing it, are becoming a fan at an early age. Yes. You know what I mean? Just, I mean, obviously you're watching that, you're seeing your dad or your parents or his friends or uncles or whatever getting so excited about this one thing, right? You want to be a part of that. It's classical conditioning, right? Yeah, it's sort of like contrived enthusiasm, Um, and, you know, enthusiasm is obviously a strong motivator, but you're not really conscious of sort of why you're enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just kind of pairing these emotions with these experiences, and when, you know, those experiences are duplicated in the future, those emotions come back, but you don't even necessarily know why. You know, you're just kind of getting into it. Mm -hmm. At some point, you know, because I remember very distinctly when I became like, a knowledgeable fan, like a a woke fan, if you will. Probably when I was like nine years old and I remember watching a Lakers game, Lakers-Bulls, and I remember being able to like kind of articulate what was happening Mm -hmm. and, you know, then go to school the next day and talk to my friends, you know, at lunch or whatever about like, oh, did you watch the game? Yeah. Um, That's when you probably become like a legitimate fan and you're kind of talking about it on your own. But before that, the enthusiasm half have for the team is clearly just like kind of, I don't know, induction into you, you I like that word.
1: (laughs) Let me try to explain it one more time for our listeners. So take me for example, the reason I grew up a Steelers fan is because my father was a Steelers fan. He would bring home jerseys. I had a Greg Lloyd, Yancey Thigpen jersey, and we'd watch games with him, and he would be excited, and therefore I would get excited. And that just kind of carries through, and now as an adult, I'm a huge Steelers fan. So I'm obviously excited. But that didn't start because I randomly decided to become a Steelers fan. I was, like you said, indoctrinated into becoming a Steelers fan. And there's part of me that has that nostalgic connection because it was exciting for my father. But it was also exciting for me as a kid. But if that connection didn't happen at a a young age, would I be a Steelers fan now? Probably not. But I'm I, I'm thankful I am a
0: Steelers fan because they're the best franchise in sports. Mm, um, but yeah. he's he's also a, a fan that's driven by emotion, and <laughs> the problem it, it, entirely by emotion is what I mean. And the problem with that is that when you're doing analysis, particularly trying to predict games, mm-hmm. sports betting, or whatever kind of thing you may want to do, you you got to take a you know emotion can't be the driver. Yeah, you know you but, gotta. I, I you can't it.
1: underplay that nostalgic connection. I feel like that a lot of things we do as adults, we don't really know why we do them. And it, it was just kind of indoctrinated mm-hmm. in us as a, as a young age. There's so many different things other than being a fan of a team that we could probably kind of look in the mirror and think about that we do now as adults that we only do it because we, it, it gives us some sort of uh, connection to our childhood.
0: Hey, Tori, when's the last time you had a surge of dopamine? Ooh dopa
1: Um, i mean i think i get a little bit of dopamine doing this podcast
0: (laughs) of course you do (laughs) oh man we all are are surging just are we going into that second layer off the chain all right so we're gonna get a little
1: let's get a little deep here then let's do it what's the reason behind this like what's the biological or psychological reasons
0: yeah well euphoria is an emotional experience, right? And, and you know, when we've done the scientific testing, right, to figure out what is being released chemically in the various circuits of the brain in times of euphoria, they have found that dopamine tends to be the predominant neurohormone that's produced and released during those times, right? During those types of emotional experiences contrasted, not surprisingly, with cortisone, Cortisol, cortisol yeah. that is our stress hormone. And that is the predominant neurohormone in times of pain and suffering from a loss, right? Mm-hmm. You lose um, and, you know, you have that disappointment, uh, that dysphoria, right? Mm-hmm. So what yeah, you're, that's, you're, that's, what you're that's saying that's is
1: when your team loses, you actually get a spike of cortisol and you feel more stress. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yep.
0: But probably not surprising.
1: No, not at all. And then when you win, guess what? You get that bump of dopamine.
0: Yeah, and what we've talked about before is that cortisol is a very uh, dangerous hormone when it's allowed to just kind of be... You know, like uncontrolled when it's uncontrolled lead you know. to
1: inflammation and different things That's right. Um actually it can lead to medical issues. But so when you win, you get that surge of dopamine. And we talked about before that, those subcortical structures of the, the brain, primal yeah. parts of our brain, like yeah. the hippocampus, the basal ganglia, the yeah. amygdala. We've talked about nucleus accumbens. Uh, we talked about a lot about it on the Moments of Mindfulness podcast, which is a couple of episodes back. Um, you get that dopamine increase. Same thing happens when you uh, we we went in oh. on that on
0: the uh, the identity in the substance the use podcast identity.
1: too. Because guess what? When you use a substance like cocaine, mm-hmm. meth, even sugar, nicotine, you get a little boost of dopamine, and that is actually the reward pathway that leads to addiction. Oftentimes, so we can actually kind of become dependent on sports addicted to sports in a way why not because we are become thirsty for that dopamine yeah because it it intertwines with our memories which is our hippocampus Mm -hmm. so it becomes indoctrinated that's the word of the day where we have these memories that know that oh i know sports is associated with me having a dopamine release which causes me to be happy so you want that you're thirsty for that and then what else, what else hop, happens? These studies have shown that actually testosterone
0: increases after a win. Wouldn't you know? Huh. I think I've gotten a boner or two after a big, <laughs> well, big win, you know? <laughs> maybe <laughs> the, no, no. Maybe that's why people are acting so
1: wild and crazy at that Washington DC uh, parade for the Redskins or the R word. Sorry,
0: excuse me. Certainly aggressive. Yeah. yeah. And testosterone definitely increases aggression. Yeah.
1: And then oxytocin, we've talked about that before. That's That's the hormone that's secreted when in times of like when you're socializing um big time secreted when you're having sex or being intimate with someone mm-hmm. so you definitely get that when you're high-fiving and
0: cheering with friends at a sporting event oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean we if it's a big game and big moment we're doing more than high-fiving oh oh yeah we might be out of the mistletoe you and know. that
1: and that's another reason why we feel that sense of community and that connection is because of oxytocin and we're not even consciously aware of this that's right right and yeah. then Least, last but not least, I think this is the number one, is is mirror neurons. That's right. I think yeah. we touched on this before. But what are and mirror neurons? We have, neurons?
0: but I have a feeling that we need to touch on it again. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, mirror neurons, something that no one ever talks about. Um, but we're going to talk about it because it's actually kind of cool. So we have these this neurological system in our frontal lobe, right, that really is responsible for I think like sort of like conceptualizing another person's experience right Mm -hmm. like we all have been in situations hopefully (laughs) where we've interacted with others you know who are maybe in crisis or you know have even you know a very pleasant uh experience that they'd like to share right and we have feelings even if we're not describing those feelings or articulating those feelings, we have feelings. We're feeling things just because the other person is feeling those yep. things, yep. right? So, uh, you know, someone says, hey, I just got engaged. You know, we, we feel happy for yeah, them. Yeah, not excited. just
1: because of the words they're saying, yeah. but because of their body language or their, what they're doing with their face. Yeah, it, The mirror neurons help us understand others and yeah. the actions of others. And it's, it's obviously, they're, they're there for survival. Yeah. Because we, we have to learn how to understand other people, understand whether just by looking at someone, our mirror neurons are frying to determine, oh, is that an enemy? Is that, not an, is that a threat or is that someone I can cooperate yeah. with and work with?
0: Yeah, and this is sort of a next level adaptive function, you know, that, that higher level uh, organisms have. Um, you know, it's obviously a very sophisticated way of surveying uh, and understanding the world around you. Um, humans, I, I think, have have really I- incorporated and integrated this function in a way of I think building relationships and rapport with others. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's it's empathy. I mean, yeah, It's, this, exactly. it's this the kind of the cornerstone of empathy. I think
1: what, what puts it, the humans on another level is we we can look at someone doing something and we can put ourselves automatically through mirror neurons in that person's shoes versus. Another animal has to just do it by imitation. They actually have to physically do what that other person's doing, whereas us, our mirror neurons, almost allow us to live vicariously through another individual just by observing
0: them. So you mean that parrot wasn't really happy for me? Like, he was just simply repeating... repeating, Polly want a cracker. Right. Um, So he said congratulations, but he didn't really mean it? No. He's just imitating you, dude. He he does he was that. like, "Congrats!" And I was like, "Oh, cool." He thanks. or she does not
1: have mirror neurons. <laughs> but uh, this is another reason why I think entertainment and specifically sports or any types types of entertainment are so enthralling or engulfing or whatever term you want to use because we can. Li- this is why it's so easy for us. This this is why. Our heart rate is bursting when in clutch time. When you were watching LeBron in the last seconds of those, that Celtics Miami Heat game seven, mm-hmm. your heart rate was probably spiking just um, like his was. Although yeah. maybe he over time has learned to keep his heart, heart rate low. Because you were living vicariously through him, through your mirror neurons without even noticing oh, it.
0: Yeah, man. No, I was, I was, I felt hot. You know, I, 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 felt, I felt like I, my, my palms were a little sweaty. It was intense.
1: Knees deep, arms are heavy, vomit on a sweater already, mom's spaghetti. Uh On the surface uh he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. All right, but so I'm the same way, although I don't contain it very well. I I would not perform well under pressure during a sporting event. When I'm watching the Vols or the Steelers or UFC, any UFC fight, specifically Conor McGregor, my heart rate skyrockets. I wear this, like, Apple watch, and it sometimes tells me, like, you're not active, but your heart rate's 170, um, what's going on, do you want me to call 911? I'm like, no, I'm just watching a UFC fight. So I, like, I'm sitting <laughs> there, and my UFC. heart rate's at 170, you know? Yeah. You get these anxiety-like symptoms from just watching, and part of that's due to mirror neurons. Part of that's due to my own anxiety. But <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> there's a, As an aside, there's a couple of uh, mental disorders where the mirror neurons are actually disrupted, and you, you'd, you'd think about the mental disorders where people have a really difficult time of socializing or interacting with other individuals um, and that is in autism spectrum disorder and also they found that in schizophrenia um, schizophrenia is the one where oftentimes people are hearing the voices and they have the delusions no, and they, they don't want to
0: do anything yeah and it's but, very
1: difficult for them to interact yeah, with others it's negative symptoms completely different from autism spectrum disorder and there's other mental illnesses where your mirror neurons do get disrupted
0: you can actually see this with autistic uh especially children right because you know autistic adults oftentimes have kind of gone through different forms of therapy and they may be doing a little bit better but as kids you often see that they just don't seem to really respond you know emotionally in in emotionally charged ways to what's kind of going on like it may be their, be their birthday, but they're kind of worried about like how many candles are going to be on the cake or like something weird, you know? Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> it's, di- it's just different. We call it like the new kind of term is like individuals who aren't on the spectrum ha- are neurotypical and yeah. then individuals that are, are neuroatypical. So it's not
0: the texture of the icing.
1: Exactly. So <laughs> they have different <laughs> annotations. So they may talk very flat and have our monotone in the way they speak in we actually and I've w- done peers training, which essentially is you teach we teach these these individuals how to socialize with neurotypical individuals, how to pick up on those those verbal cues or those physical cues in another individual that maybe um they're not feeling good today and it now's not a good time to talk or maybe they're excited, so we actually physically have to go through teaching them these because the mirror neurons are disrupted
0: there you go, there you go. um
1: but, um, so there's a lot at play here working so underneath the I surface play. so much um, of play. so Armin you missed, mentioned earlier how both of us have become over time it sounds like you for the longest time have always been a fan more so of the individual mm-hmm. and that's something I'm I was always a fan of like I was a fan of an individual as a kid Peyton Manning Barry Sanders King Griffey Jr. rather than the teams I wasn't a Lions fan um, I wasn't, a, I wasn't yeah, a yeah you know
0: it's weird I, I, as a kid you know I remember being the th- a fan of teams just because like, I guess everybody else was a fan of teams, mm-hmm. it seemed. But, um, yeah, I mean, as I began to mature as a fan, um, I definitely became more interested in like stories, like mm-hmm. just like personal stories.
1: Yeah. Mature is an interesting word. You can use evolve, mature. But yeah. It's, evolve. It's,
0: it's, I'm it's sorry, not, I mean, maybe, maybe evolve is the best. I should, yeah, you're right. Evolve, I don't want to put like more develop, like a
1: positive connotation. You're towards, right. No, develop, that.
0: um, yeah is is a, a fan cuz
1: everyone has the right to be a fan how they want to be a fan but I, we see this a lot especially in the NBA it's a perfect example of people now are becoming more so fans of individuals versus teams you have your KD stands you have your LeBron stands this Gianna stands it doesn't matter who and i use the word stand that's what the kids use nowadays you ever oh, hear what that oh, stands yeah. i wasn't just slurring my words um oh, i don't know what it stands for
0: um, i guess i'm just out of the loop i'm not yeah. you know i'm not but people who are
1: LeBron fans become Miami Heat fans and then Cav fans again and now are Lakers fans and KD yeah. fans are you well, know. but
0: but you know what actually Tori, this is interesting, right? So um we were both born in, I guess, different places than we live now. Yeah. Right. And I kind of feel like what happens is when when you grow up in a particular town, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously everybody in that town who's from that town is rooting for, you know, that team you know um so you're gonna be part of that you want to be connected um but if you depart from that town right and there's you're not necessarily going back Mm -hmm. um i mean you may start kind of getting into the fan base of the town that you're in there you know what i mean why
1: absolutely and i for myself i was born in arizona Um, then lived in Texas, and then most of my early memories, 5 to 10 years old in Tennessee, so that's why I'm a Tennessee Vols fan, Um, and then moved to Indiana, became a Colts fan primarily just because of Peyton Manning, and then never lived in Pittsburgh or anywhere in Pennsylvania, but that's where my dad grew up, so I became a Steelers fan throughout my life, but I also represent – the Arizona teams, like the Phoenix Suns, Steve Nash, Mario Stoudemire, Charles Barkley, Kevin Johnson, those are my guys. I have a lot of allegiances. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, it, I've moved around a lot, so I don't necessarily have this investment just in one city, um, although I, I still enjoy repping. And I live in L.A. now, and I actually like to rep the Clippers because, mm-hmm. I mean, PG also had a connection with the Pacers, so many different connections. But You're more of a 2 one, three guy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm, a,
0: a, I'm more of a three-one-zero guy. Street guy. Streetlights
1: over highlights. And the fans know what I mean. Or right? bright lights. I think it's street lights and the bright lights. <laughs> but anyways, why? Like, why is this? Why are we seeing kind of this shift where I think a lot of a lot of fans nowadays don't necessarily care that these huge, giant players are moving city to city versus the old heads are like, oh, you should stay in one city and like what happened to like being loyal to to that team and to that city? But it's, it's old school. It's new, and why? Why do you That's think that school. is? Like, I think I think. I don't think, actually, like, Armin, you're saying, you're, and I'm saying, we're, we are actually fans of these, these individuals as the person. Yep. But I think that's only a select few. I, th- I think a lot of these people become fans of like, the, the KDs and the LeBrons and Giannis's the world because maybe it's because of the style play. Maybe it's because the media has kind of shoved this, these individuals down their throat, or maybe they're just attracted to greatness.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of different reasons. I think individual fans are attracted to greatness – Because it's ultimately like for them, it's what they aspire to be. It's sort of like even you know let's let's talk let's talk about the you know typical blue collar type person, okay? You look up to, for Mm -hmm. example, if he's a good guy at least, you know the CEO, right, Uh, or the supervisor, the foreman, or whatever of that company, because. you know he represents success, right? He represents and you know a lot of times when you know the 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 boss is, is given the, the speech, you know it's it's very empowering, it's all about us, it's all about and you are listening to this, and you're seeing this person talk, and you're like, "I want to be better for them, right? I want to be better." for, yeah, the mission, you know, for us, you know, for the, you know, the, the team and all of that. But it's also about, you know, being inspired, right? It's also about being motivated and motivation and inspiration oftentimes, you know, it, it has to come from an external source, yeah. right? And, and when you have a certain player, a certain coach, you know, those like iconic coaches, uh, you know, like the the legendary John Wooden, mm-hmm. for example, Red Auerbach, um, Red Auerbach, um, Popovich, Phil Jackson. We can go on and on. You know, the the Zen master like Phil Jackson, um, or leg- obviously legendary players. It's like they represent something greater than us, right? Something that we aspire to be. And and I think that you know, greatness. Can be encapsulated in a player or a team, you know, just as much as it, it can be encapsulated in a, in a success.
1: And I'm glad you brought that up. So, so these people, these individuals, these the greatness that they represent they represent success or greatness. People are attracted to that I think for two separate reasons. They're either attracted to the end result, the success, the greatness, and what comes with that the attention, the adora- adoration being on the magazine covers and all that jazz or there's also individuals that are attracted to greatness because they're attracted to the process that led to the greatness they're attracted to that they know that the intense work work ethic and skill um, that's behind the greatness that led to the greatness yeah Um, so i think there are individuals that are just attracted to greatness the end result and you can call these your fair weather fans or your front runners but there are also individuals that are attracted who are attracted to greatness because they genuinely appreciate the hard work and determination that goes into being great, that went into being that CEO, that went into being the league MVP, that went into being a a four-time champion. They're attracted to that process. Yeah,
0: I mean, for sure, the process. Um, And I I don't really necessarily knock uh, bandwagon guys, Fairweather fans, but, but unless it becomes one of those things where it's like, Every time you turn around, you know, every time you talk to them, oh, you know those guys, yeah. right?
1: They're getting the hat for the new championship and, oh team my every God. year.
0: Every year, it's like the new team, you know, mm-hmm. the, the new thing. Uh, they're, just kind of, they're riding the wave, yeah. you know. I, I don't know if you would call me, a, I'm certainly attracted to success, uh, and I'm certainly uh, interested in following players and stories that, um, you know, are successful. I'm definitely not a bandwagon guy, though in the sense that I started following LeBron when he was in high school. Now, granted,
1: creepy. You could, see,
0: <laughs> you could see the, the potential for greatness, but I mean, you know, in 2001, I had, you know, we had no idea that he was going to become what he became. I started following Tom Brady the year he took over, you know, his, uh, his second season for the Patriots. And, you know, who, who knew that he would you know, become what he became. Um, but you know i certainly was looking at them and, and wanting to pick the right horse right um and i i saw things in them that frankly i kind of saw in me and you know in and, and things that um i ultimately really connected to uh it really resonated with me because you know we were sort of around the same age you know. Um, and we, had, you know, at least in the case of LeBron, you know, kind of like similar background in the case of Brady, you know, you know, kind of, uh, underdog, you know, in a sense, like I got into the Academy, um, as someone that really probably didn't have the, the stats that all, you know, the other guys had. And I think was largely underestimated and academically speaking. Um, I was underestimated at, you know, several different levels of my career and I always proved the doubters wrong. Um, you know, and and that's something that I think, you know, true Tom Brady fans can really identify with. Yeah. You Um, see that
1: draft day picture of him with his shirt off and you're like, this guy's like considered the greatest football player of all time. Are you serious?
0: Exactly. No, for sure. You know, in LeBron's case, um, You know, I saw someone that, yeah, obviously he had a tremendous potential and he was truly gifted, right? He was, like, born great, right? This genetic inheritance. Um, But those circumstances, right? We talked about... The story. Yeah, the the aces. We talked about the aces. Mm -hmm. Adverse childhood events. He had a a very difficult childhood, right? And the environment, the, the nurturing... Uh, that was not an advantage that, that he had. You know? If anything, he had to, to, to work in spite of his environment, right? And that's something that uh, definitely resonated with me as well. And so it was these, these connections, these mm-hmm. personal connections that I had to these guys yeah. that really drove that. So it was more than yeah. just
1: the, the end result, the greatness. It was the story and what, exactly. what, what went in and led to the greatness and what made the greatness even more great if you will but being a fan I love being a fan it's you're taking kind of ownership you're investing into something it becomes part of your identity oftentimes it's how you relate to people you're and when you're a fan you're not doing it in silence right you're letting people know who you support and why do you think that is that's because you want to connect with someone but at the same time, you're you're trying to differentiate yourself from other people. You're picking a side. You're who are your who's on your team, who's on the other team, and it's a fine line between being something that's healthy for you. Um, I think Arm and I, our fandom has actually has been great. It connected us. Obviously, we started this podcast because we were both diehard fans of sports, even though we're fans of opposite teams. We can still get along, have these conversations, but a lot of times that tribalism we talked about can lead to to violence quite frankly
0: yeah man i mean things could just kind of boil over i feel like it it happens really more for the losers (laughs) you know like they tend to to you know just
1: i think it's a lot of it's it's people that are fans of maybe teams that have won before and then they start losing but then you get like your lovable losers previously the cubs like Cubs fans all my life. I grew up in Indiana. We don't have a baseball team, so everyone is Cubs fans, even though they hadn't won for almost a hundred years until recently. And you know they were likable. They weren't kind of down, like sad and stressed all the time. They were kind of always in a good mood. It's like happy go lucky. But then you get some of those fans that get spoiled and they lose and they can come violent. And I mean, we already talked about when your team loses, you feel more stress. That cortisol. There's no reason that you start doing more unhealthy behaviors like being you know, aggressive.
0: Speaking of. Great teams suddenly now becoming losers. I wonder if that had anything to do with what happened with that that, that guy who was the owner of the Golden State Warriors. Oh gosh, right. And and didn't he like push? Yeah, Kyle that was Lowry? in like
1: game one though, when they were, still hadn't well, lost. Oh,
0: Yeah, but I think a lot of people saw the hammering of the wall. We'll
1: we'll get into that when the kind of the, <laughs> the line definitely gets crossed. But before yeah. we get into that, I want to talk about. There's actually been studies that show when teams. Lose. They, there's a specific study that they found that people in cities with a losing football team ate about 16% more saturated fats on Monday compared to their usual consumption, and wow. people in winning cities ate about 9% less saturated fat. So losing <laughs> it, it can lead to unhealthy behaviors. Like everyone, I've been to college, went to IU, plenty of tailgating football games uh, and basketball games, and we'd lose a lot. Obviously, um, some people tend to drown their sorrows in alcohol. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a coping mechanism. People also like to celebrate with alcohol. Um, we talked about before, your heart rate can spike when you're watching a game. That's not going to be good for someone who's elderly. Speaking of al- alcohol, all these major league sports, NFL, NBA, MLB, sponsored by beer, alcohol, Oh yeah,
0: whiskey. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a huge cash cow. Um, and obviously, they know their consumers and you know, they know their market, these, these companies. So, yeah. Um, I mean, you watch any Super Bowl, and I'd say probably 40% of the commercials are going to be food or beverage. Not
1: healthy food either. No. Um, Anheuser-Busch paid the NFL $1.4 billion. And this was back in 2002, I think, for like a six-year deal to be their sponsor. That's incredible. And all the leagues have this. We'll talk a little bit about binge drinking. Everyone knows you show maybe you tailgate two hours before the game, the game lasts three hours, you're drinking alcohol that whole time leads to binge drinking. We talked about that in the substance use podcast how that can lead to a, loads of different complications. Not to mention, um, there's one study that actually said that researchers found this is in the quarterly Journal of Economics. White That 10% there was a 10% spike in domestic violence reported in areas where the local NFL team lost a close game and this was from 1995
0: to 2006. So talk about confirmation bias. What's up with that? So
1: yeah, the last thing everyone knows is that you kind of get um, blinded by your biases to your favorite teams or favorite players. I won't get into your biases for your favorite players, but um, no need. You know, every you got that person that wants just you explain away every defeat for you blame outside factors like (laughs) like referees, for example.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. If we get to a lot of commentators that not no not comment, I know a lot of uh, sports journalists and and, uh, talking heads that. Oh God.
1: What if if refereeing went strictly automated, all machines, all AI? What would we have to talk about? I feel like fifty percent of sports talk is chemistry. about how who got screwed by who by the referees. Yeah, and what would have happened if this was overturned? Do you see that James Harden dunk that they ruled wasn't was goaltending, and they oh, end losing that, the game? But
0: NBA refs, man, they leave so much to be desired. I'm just going to leave it at that. Oh,
1: let's talk about that. I'm not going
0: to get. I'm not. Gonna, I can't. I don't have to worry well, about getting. I think we got to f- So I'm going to tell like it is. NBA's got to get it together. Yeah, man. we got
1: to think about. Got to get it together. Even in the NFL, this pass interference rule, they're allowing these people, they're allowing the referees to to review it, but no one's overturning things in the NBA and the NFL. We got to talk about <laughs> and that. That's man. because
0: confirmation these, bias.
1: These refs are having issues with their egos. That's exactly getting what it in is. the way, and they maybe they have weak ego strength, and they they don't want to admit they're they wrong. Maybe need some sports psychandies. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> So they need to be humbled a little bit, and it's okay to admit you were wrong and that the computer or the AI, the video on video review, it's clear. You can overturn it,
0: okay? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you know, if it's, uh, if it's clear, you know, you should just make the right decision. I mean, you know, it shouldn't be about, you know, your, as you said, ego. I do think that it's tough for refs because, you know, there's this other aspect of it, you know, like credibility, Right. Like. You want to have a track record of having gotten these things right, because mm-hmm. imagine if like over time they started doing the numbers and realizing, oh, wow, every time that they go ah. back and review these things, like Oosh. the referees are wrong, you know, more times yeah. than they're right. I didn't think about that. I could kind of make maps obsolete. We right?
1: talked about um, analytics and how these leagues are headed towards that way, looking at all the analytics and numbers. You know they're they're taking a look at how often calls get overturned. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you just brought something
0: new to the stage. But yeah. it's
1: it's hard for all of us to admit that we we made a mistake or we got the call
0: wrong. Yeah, yeah, no, it's crazy, man. And you know, I, I definitely see a future episode brewing. You know, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about confirmation bias. Ooh, we can
1: talk about refs
0: and, and how, refereeing. How,
1: there's a lot of pressure on them.
0: Exactly. And,
1: and like you said, AI is about to take over. So, ooh, I like that. We're gonna talk about that in a yes, future sir. episode. All right, so with all this, we talked about fans for over an hour, right? And we're huge fans and how obsessed fanatics and how fans run these leagues. That puts a lot of pressure on, guess who? The organizations, teams, coaches, and especially the players.
0: Especially the players. I mean, yeah, you know, as fans, um, you know, we, we set the stage in many ways because, um, I mean, players are playing... Ultimately, to appeal to fans, right? Business people put together these organizations with these executives, with these coaching staffs, these medical personnel. um, Millions and millions and millions of dollars spent. Corporate sponsorships, you know, different partnerships, business wise, food vendor. I mean, everything, right? This huge enterprise, all for the fans, right? And, and and obviously you know, it's a product like anything else. So we want to put the best product out there. A lot of pressure to appeal to the fans because the fans are the ones you know they got to be the ones that fill the stadium and that line the pockets.
1: Yeah, they got to get they got to pay that almighty dollar.
0: You know, and so there's there's enormous pressure, especially if you see these are billion dollar enterprises. All right, enormous pressure, and um, along with pressure comes expectations. Okay. And here's the thing about expectations. They can, in some ways, make or break uh, a player, right? Um, I mean, we've seen this over the years. Guys that are super high draft picks, um, you know, they, they were drafted because of their potential, right? of their perception of their potential. But if they aren't able to, you know, sort of take on the challenge of the... Expectations that come with that draft pick. I mean, if you're number one draft pick, right, Oh, man. You're I don't get the fattest contract. I don't envy those and people. And you're going to get all the endorsements, you know, and a lot of money, a lot of attention. You got to be ready for at that. At what,
1: 19 in the NBA? At what, 19? Right. Maybe, you, maybe you spent one year in college. Right. Maybe you spent one obscure year up in the uh, Pacific Northwest.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you have to perform. And I mean, you know, a lot of these franchises they expect that that player is going to lead them to a championship. I mean, that's why they are there.
1: I think what you touched on about LeBron too earlier in this podcast was he had all that pressure before in high school. Mm-hmm. And I think the amazing thing about his journey was that he had all that pressure and still was able to be successful. Because whenever, whenever you have that much pressure at a young age or right away, before you even know really that you're going to be good at something, You're right. It just makes it that much more difficult. Think about someone who gets drafted in the late second round. They're not going to have a whole lot of expectations in the NBA or an undrafted free agent or even Tom Brady in the sixth round draft pick in the NFL. He wasn't expected to take over that starting position the first year versus like a Baker Mayfield. Like you can kind of play your way into that position before you get all the pressure from not only the fans, but the media. Um, and some, you know,
0: yeah, yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. Some guys thrive, some guys don't.
0: And, 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 you know, here's the other thing about pressure. And we talked about this uh, in an earlier podcast, and we kind of talked about like transition the athletes have to go through the life cycle, so to speak, of the athlete, right? Like when you're first starting out in your career, it's like the bright, shiny object, right? It's like, wow, the newness, right? Never seen a guy like that before. Never seen a player, you know, a, a girl that could dunk. You know, you know th- 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 when uh, Cheryl Swoops was, you know, coming out. It's like Swoops. Swoops. It's like wow, like Candace they're doing Parker. things you've never seen before, and they're young, and it's like it's just all about potential, right? The sky's the limit, and everybody loves you then, okay? And and I think what what, what athletes kind of go through, it's it's really incredible is like whatever those expectations were, right? You kind of have to, in today's world, it's not just about meeting those expectations. I feel like that was maybe an old world thing, old school to just meet your expectations, right? Now in today's world, the world we live in, it's all about exceeding the expectations. And that's the measure of success. That's the bar nowadays. Or meeting
1: those expectations right away. Exactly. Right when they're set. Exactly, which you means you,
0: which means you, kind of have to exceed, right? Or else you'll just kind of always be meeting the expectations. That you'll get born, you mm-hmm. know. You know, people lose interest, and so constantly having to exceed expectations is tremendous pressure. And you know that's kind of the the, the playing field now. If if you are expected to carry this team to a championship as a number one pick, right, and then year after year after year you are falling short, even though you may be great, you know, and, and legendary in talent and the stats show it, right? You can have all these wins, you're bringing all these, you know, great moments to this city and this organization. It's, it's never going to be enough, right? Until they deliver that championship. That's tremendous pressure. And what happens over time is just no matter how great you are, just by virtue of not meeting those initial expectations, not... Meeting your potential, there is kind of like almost like a backlash, mm-hmm. you know, effect that can happen with the fan base. Yeah,
1: it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Those fans expect results. they're mm-hmm. they there, a lot of the majority of the fans are there because they want the results. The greatness that attracts them to sports is the championships, mm-hmm. is the amazing plays, and if, yes, if, if the amazing. It's not, it's not nec- for a lot of people. It's not necessarily the individual. The individual almost gets dehumanized. If especially if they don't produce results, they don't produce that greatness. And they don't get those rings.
0: Yeah, and and it's and it's amazing to me how you know uh, beloved, <laughs> you know, an athlete can be coming into the into the league and and or coming into you know whatever you know situation, and then when those expectations of the fan base aren't met, how they almost become like a villain. Yeah. <laughs> you know? nope. Um, and and well, demonized speaking, and, and
1: speaking of which And we talked about this a little bit earlier About different fan bases Who may be spoiled because they won a lot Or uh, maybe have, have, uh, Are in the bigger cities Where they expect they, They're used to greatness They're used to championships mm-hmm. Greatness equals championships And those cities are like Boston The Celtics Lakers like Los Angeles sure um new york yankees oftentimes in big markets but these are franchises the patriots now the pittsburgh steelers the dallas cowboys i mean it's a, it's been a rough season for them right now san francisco 49ers these are franchises real madrid barcelona let's not forget about those sports let's mm-hmm. not forget about the individual players like roger federer jokovic nadal these are franchises these are individuals that their fans expect Championships, Mm -hmm. Greatness to them is championships versus a Charlotte Hornets fan. They're going to be happy if their best player makes the all-star game or they make the first round of the playoffs.
0: Exactly. Just a, just a shot, right? Just a chance. Like, you know, um, I mean the Pacers, I'm a Pacers fan and
1: they've made the playoffs almost every year. Um, they make the Easter conference finals every once in a while. They made the finals once with Reggie Miller and, but it's not bad being a Pacers fan. You, I, I'm, I'm a huge Oladipo fan. Reggie Miller was classic. Even Paul George, they didn't get championships, but I would still, they, they're still beloved by Indianapolis. Maybe not Paul George because he left, but Reggie Miller is a legend in Indianapolis, even though he never won them a championship. Mm-hmm. But it's he, different. It so it's it different for different teams yeah. and different cities. You
0: and know, and, and I really liked, uh, you know, how you, how you use that word performance, right? The Performance driven and results driven, success-driven, that's it. And the value, right, the value of a player, okay, his identity, his or her identity as an athlete is very much vested in the followership, right, and support of the fan base and, 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 and value for potential, right, is, is a premium in the early stages of the career, right? But then that is eventually has to tra- translate into value in performance, right, and success. And if those two things are not equal, or like I said, more success, right, than your potential would have dictated, then, uh, you know, eventually the support begins to waver, you know, and, and, and that's the burden uh, 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 and struggle of the athlete.
1: So, there's been a couple things in the news recently. Speaking of players being dehumanized, and speaking of players who may or may not have been able to to thrive in a big city market or in within one of those franchises that mm. expect championships. Right. Uh, Kyrie Irving recently made a post after the Brooklyn Nets. Played their game in, in, in Boston, and the Boston crowd was chanting, Where is Kyrie? Oh, and, wow. And other yeah. more disparaging things about Kyrie Irving. And I'll read a little bit of the post. He said, quote unquote, It's one big show that means very, very little in the real world that most people live in because there are actually things that matter going on within it. He also wrote, But this game of sports and entertainment. A little, uh,
0: a little poetic.
1: Yeah. But this game of sports entertainment matter more than someone's mental health and well-being, right? Or the real-life things that happen to people every day, but they still have to perform for the NBA and its fans, right? This game isn't meant to be controlled or shown as a drama. It's meant to show the love.
0: Yeah. I I love how Kyrie's not really afraid to to show his creative side. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely an artist. Uh, Consummate artist. Yeah, but he... uh, yeah, I get it. You know, it just feels like he's just kind of putting his, uh, you know, his sort of heart out there. You know, his, um, you know, his feelings about uh, the struggles he has with the fan base um, on display. You know, for the world to see. And uh, yeah, I mean, reading this article. Um, what what was where can people go to to read this thing?
1: Well, he 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 put it on his Instagram story, and okay, since people have like captioned and written articles about it, so you can just search Kyrie Irving Instagram post. Okay, he yeah. also said in the post, "Lover for the art is the only damn thing that keeps the purest people in this giant sports entertainment circus. Don't fall for the game that's played in front of you as entertainment. It'll never be as serious as dealing with life."
0: All right. preach on, brother. Preach on. He's got now, some points. He's got some points. He's got some points. I mean, <laughs> Kyrie is, uh, um, yeah. I mean, you know, he's an eccentric guy, and uh, a lot of folks, because of, of you know how he reacts all the time, uh, you know, to the to the media, to to fans. I think his credibility, teammates, is, is, is a little questionable. But the message is there, right? And and we get it. You know, we we definitely get it. Um, and, and I think we'd be remiss if we don't also talk about the impact of the media, right? And the media, to me, uh, at least the sports media, pretty much is like a big super fan, right? Like, that's how I look at the media, as a machine that's like a big, yeah. monstrous, super fan, robot, android creature-like yeah. thing and that they- just... You know,
1: they oftentimes control chaos them. and destruction. They control yeah. the narrative. They're yeah. the conduit between the, the players and what's going on and the, and the fan and Kyrie Irving with this post is kind of trying to circumvent that and get his message uh, <laughs> out directly to the fans. You know what the
0: media is like? Do you remember like being a kid? Right. And maybe this only happened in, in my elementary school, but being on like, the playground and, you know, there's like a conflict between two guys right on the on the playground and there's a confrontation. And there's that one guy, the, the hype man, oh, gosh. right He has to like get get guys going. World right? star World star. <laughs> so he you know what they used to do in my old school is they would take one guy's hand, right, and, and basically like force him to hit the other guy in the face, just to like <laughs> or they would like. Go up to one guy and say, "Yo, he just talked about your mom." Are you go, let him talk about yep. your mama like that? Yep. Oh yeah, they're they're the drama <laughs> starters, the gossip. That's what the media is, man. <laughs> the they're gossip. Just, just like that guy, the hype man. They just want to like get, you know, everybody kind of like the clickbait hype, and and you know, but hey, it's entertainment, right? It is.
1: It is, and and there's obviously it's part of the game, right? And that's uh, players going back to day one have been able to deal with media in different ways, some better than others. Um, but now, like we mentioned before, with the age of social media, you can you don't have to have the media represent you. You can be more transparent and put your message out, out there to the fans and yeah, absolutely, um, man. Yeah, look, you can look, control
0: the narrative. You can. You can control the narrative. Social media, um, I mean, is just an extension of the media. And what's scary about it is that it's just like regular people. It's not like an organized set of professionals. Uh, it's just like regular people with space and opportunity and opinion um, and just kind of wreaking havoc sometimes, you know, because oftentimes they're, you know, they're not very informed, right? But yet they're promoting these ideas and opinions um, and, and targeting certain athletes and players, right? And frankly, sparking controversy in many cases needlessly. You know, the great thing about the actual media media right um that we respect and love is that you know they they authenticate their information right ideally 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 right and and so the things they're talking about the stories they're promoting i mean it's credible right but that's because they've done the work uh to to kind of you know piece everything together and make sure that you know they're providing you know real stuff It
1: can be be frustrating, too, because a lot of teams, Bill Belichick's great at this, they like to keep everything to the vest. They're not going to show their cards. They don't want to talk about inner locker room issues or turmoil, rightfully so, because they know the media is going to take that and run with it and use that as an excuse for why the team's not performing, when in reality it may or may not be related. Ideally, if we can get to a point where the athletes' organizations can just be open and the the fans can take it at face value, that's never going to happen, though, right? Because... Everyone has their own agenda in the media.
0: Yeah, you know, I have a friend that that, that used to say something so funny, man. Um, but I, I never forgot it. It, it was uh, opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one, right? <laughs> yep, that's, good. That's, a a <laughs> that's a classic. That's a classic. And but no, I mean, you know, that's that's what these guys are going through out here.
1: Can we? Can I talk about one thing though? in relation like players have always had to deal with media and, and, and I, granted it's a lot more difficult now like you said this, you're almost dealing with more fans because of social media and players are buying into it as katie's got the burner account he's commenting back on everyone's comments that they lay on posts but interpersonal effectiveness i think everyone should have a, a class or an education on interpersonal effectiveness, which is how do you relate to others? How can you be open and honest with other individuals when communicating with them? Um, Meaning you can communicate even with people that you don't agree with. So maybe if a media member does something that you don't necessarily agree with, you can be open and honest uh, with yeah. them. Yeah. Or you, you can have di- honest dialogue with a fan that doesn't agree with you. You can be open and honest with your teammates, your yeah, coaches.
0: Yeah, I, I feel you on that.
1: It's That's the steadiness in me. Maybe because going back to the team chemistry and group dynamics episode, we talked about the disc assessment. And steadiness was something I scored high on. So maybe it's the steadiness in me where I'm the glue guy. I want to keep everyone harmonious, make sure everyone's doing okay. And I value trying to have good interpersonal effectiveness, good communication with everyone, being open and honest um, to try to just make sure even if we have differing opinions, we're all on the same page. So I think this is what's lacking in this day and age. And I think it has a lot to do with social media. A lot of these younger mm-hmm. players have grew up not necessarily with that face-to-face interaction. You're not mm-hmm. getting that oxytocin like we talked about before necessarily. It's good, it's good. Go get it. Yeah. Go get it. You're you're just used to sitting behind your phone screen and typing away at some random person across the country, Mm -hmm. um, disparaging things. And if you were to meet face-to-face and just be open and honest, it could be helpful for everyone. Even if you have have differing opinions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So interpersonal effectiveness should be a course maybe taught in high school.
0: Maybe, maybe by yours (laughs) truly. Good old old T-Money. I could see you. You know, really using that good old steadiness, right? Steady, you, you could lead
1: it because you're the dominant one. Uh,
0: you know it, you know it. We, we, this has been a really good podcast. I, I think we've uh, we've covered a lot, and um, you know, it's a tribute to the fans. But I, I'm still not completely convinced if we actually have fans yet. But um, at least we can speak to the sports fans.
1: Yeah. Did you want to talk about when the lines get <laughs> the lines get really crossed and you have it's like only a-
0: episode 19. Still got a long way to go. <laughs>
1: you want to talk about when the lines get crossed and you have like a malice at the palace type
0: thing? Oh, yeah. Do we want to Do we want to even talk about that? That is like in the the dirty laundry, the dirtiest laundry of uh, the NBA annals. Um, there was this, for those of you who don't know, I think it was the year it was 2004-ish, which was kind of like a weird, the mid-2000s was kind of a weird period of time for the NBA. I think it had a lot to do with, A, the fact that Shaq left the Lakers. <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, the league was kind of wide open at that point. The league was wide open. LeBron wasn't quite, obviously, LeBron yet. You know, he was very young. He was a rookie or second year guy. And, like
1: that Pistons team um, didn't really ha- team, have any, like, yeah. legends
0: on it. No, uh, and I feel like there was maybe a, a paucity uh, of um, superstars. A lacking.
1: I like that word paucity, though.
0: Yeah, so it was weird, and and I don't know if that was part of it. Maybe fans were just kind of restless and like, what the hell is going on with the NBA? My precious NBA. Where's Showtime? You know, where's Kobe, Shaq, and you know. But anyway, um, whatever the case, whatever the reason. Man, the Indiana Pacers and the Detroit Pistons. And that,
1: those are the two best teams in the Eastern the Conference. Time, they they, met, they yes. met in the Eastern Conference Finals right. the year before, went six mm-hmm. games,
0: Pistons won. Pacers. So there was a lot of history. We're the one seed that between year. Between these uh, fan bases and these teams, uh, clearly they were rivals. Uh, two blue-collar cities, Midwest cities going at it. Um, some rough team, like some rough players some on that team. Some, some gritty players, yo, like Ron Artest, who eventually became this other thing. Steven Jackson, what was his name? Ben Wallace he was with the Lakers.
1: Uh, P- Meta, world Peace. Meta World Peace Hey, he won a championship. He did. Uh, he made a huge shot,
0: big a game-winning shot. Winning shot. He,
1: yeah, you could say that. That was he, the biggest shot. Yeah. Surprising, he he pulled, he salvaged his career and it's a champion. It's a world resurrection
0: champion. for sure, but. I mean, this was a huge black eye in the league. Um, essentially, the players started getting into it with the fans. Mm, a, beer, the a beer was thrown down. During the game, fan threw a beer. And we, I feel like we hear about stuff like this happening from time to time. But what we don't ever hear happening is a, a player going into the stands and going after a fan. Yeah. Okay? And that's what happened. And not only did that happen... But they started to fight. And not only did that happen, but then other players yeah. started to and join in. And then fans in. started and coming onto fans, the court. I mean, listen, and a- can you imagine? Okay, listen. We're talking about an NBA uh, game you know, with two great teams. I and mean, we're talking about probably 50,000 plus people in this in this building. I mean, this could have been... I mean, it was a circus, but it could have been like... Really bad, like a stampede. I bet a lot of those kind of fans thing.
1: didn't necessarily realize how big an NBA
0: player was until they got up close and personal. Oh with them. man! And then you see like this; it looked like uh, something from Mortal Kombat, I, right? I, this dude Jermaine O'Neal, oh, seven yeah, footer. I have that in he had my this mind, flying like punch, like a Mortal Kombat yeah. character. Uh, it was just, it was crazy. But here's the thing: like it was a black eye, because at this time the NBA actually wasn't necessarily the big dog that it is now. It was kind of like the probably the number three or number four most popular. Pro, yeah, sport it was probably around MLB.
1: Was probably was it, that was still probably around the still, yeah towards and the football, steroid, steroid era.
0: Yeah, and then maybe basketball in there, hockey. You know, was probably you know maybe a little bit further behind, yeah. but you know, so the NBA was still being run by David Stern, um, and they were reeling because they didn't have that superstar yep. player, right? Like Kobe was, you know, kind of in a in a hole and whatever, Shaq was, you know... Shaq was he Shaq. He was in Miami. He was kind of going out to pasture. LeBron wasn't LeBron. So, you know, it was, it was a bad time for the league, and you can imagine if they hadn't have righted the PR ship, you know, the, the, the uh, public relations ship the right way, they would have lost a lot of fans, you know, because real talk, I mean, these guys kind of look... I mean, I feel, I feel bad for them, you know, the players but they kind of looked like thugs you know they, they looked crazy you know just going into the stand and <laughs> punching was, people just indiscriminately it was crazy it's like
1: but if i'm thinking about it now it's almost like an in-person replication of what's going on on twitter what's going on, on social media yeah like fans can do that on social media. They, I imagine, players are getting DM'd and commented all the time about how much they suck. Yeah, and they're they're throwing almost like metaphorical beers at at players on Twitter. And yeah. this actually happened in real life.
0: Yeah, you know, but and that's the thing. It's an it's an image thing, though, man. You know, it, it's just like with the kneeling, right? With with Colin Kaepernick. I mean, you know, these uh, these organizations are hugely protective of their image. You know, their sponsorships are very much uh, based on the, the public image, the fans' support, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, anything that we do, the, the, that a player does to disrupt that, 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 you know, that image, the, the team's image, is really bad. Yeah. And, and yeah.
1: you can't discount enough that the fan has a role in that too. Like, Unfortunately, there's a lot of fans that give fandom a, a black eye. Fortunately, that's not all fans, and certainly not all players are going to react the way Ron Artest did, but it's a fine line between being there and supporting the players, and maybe you can get a little heckling in, that's fine. But if you go that extra level, just know that like, these, there's, these are individuals. Mm-hmm. You're not playing a video game. Yeah. Like, they're going to react as y- you would react outside
0: at a bar. They're real people too. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we're hearing a lot of players talk about these things. Marcus uh, Smart. Make these references nowadays. Marcus Smart, yeah. Um, to, you know, and and it, that's one of the themes of the athlete empowerment movement that, that we've been vocal about um, is, you know, uh, the Glass Helmet Project uh, sponsored by the NFL. I mean, we, it's all about trying to humanize the athlete, right? in the face of the public, right? So that the fans, to your point, aren't feeling like they're just in a in game world, in a game mode, in some sort of virtual reality, but in fact, it's real life. Real yeah. people, their fathers, their mothers, mm-hmm. brothers, sisters, right? their uh, friends. Community leaders. Community leaders. Um, you know, they, they have... A mission they put you know. pa- their pants on two legs at a time no <laughs> a time. One, one leg at a time <laughs> you know and, and they have all the same struggles that you and i exactly the and, fans and, have. and that's when the tribalism can go the bad way
1: where you see someone on the other team as other or maybe you're, you you dehumanize your own favorite player because they're not living up to your standards um and that leads to a breakdown in communication that lead and that could lead to to violence um, and it goes back to being able to have that interpersonal effectiveness or being able to just be open and be able to, be able to communicate with others. Or mindful. Being mindful, yeah, of your decisions and knowing that all right, it's, it's simple to say, like, these are humans too. Like, everyone knows that. But when you're at a game and you're yelling violently at the other team, maybe you forget for a moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, how about being a classy fan, right? You know, how about having class? How about having dignity? How about representing the values right of the team of the sport right sportsmanship mutual respect Mm -hmm. right i mean these guys are fierce competitors on the court field floor whatever the case may be but off the court field floor whatever they're they're friends i mean they're 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 you know, going to each other's bachelor parties and, you know, they're going to each other's, you know, baby showers and, you know, and it's, that's, that's life. It's real life.
1: And some people think it's, it's difficult to empathize for someone who's getting paid millions and millions of dollars of playing this childhood game. But I almost flip it around and think like, and we talked about this before what, imagine if we had thousands of people watching us during a patient encounter doing our job and like heckling us while we're trying to, to, to get the family history of a patient that comes in.
0: Mm, lots how, of cortisol surgeons. Yeah, how obnoxious would
1: that be? Um, so I, I'm not saying cut these guys slack, but just treat them as you would your neighbor. Yep. You know? I mean, come on. I mean. Uh, Fans. Fanatics. Yes, sir. That's Fandom. right. Let's, let's go crazy. Oh, let's go crazy. A, what are you most excited about the rest of the year as a fan?
0: Oh, there's so much. God, there's so much to be excited about.
1: Clippers, Lakers.
0: That's right. I mean, that's one thing. But then, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? Steelers, right? Steelers defense looks I mean, good. Too bad they don't so have a quarterback. many teams have a legitimate shot right now. I mean, you know, I think on the AFC side, you know, KC is still there, right? Oh, yeah. You can't the discount Ravens, Mahomes. Obviously, you know, with Lamar, you, you can never count out Tom Brady. That you offense can. is lacking weapons, though. Um, but you're for right. Sure. Tom Brady, never, Bill never Belichick. Count out. Um, you know, lots of threats over there. And then you got, uh, what, you know, Green Bay, San Francisco, um, New Orleans is still possible. You know, they still have a shot. Seahawks, 49ers. the great Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you know, all all things are possible when you got a guy like that at the helm.
1: You're right. I'm getting excited. We got those NFL playoffs coming up.
0: Woo. All right. right. It's good to be a fan.
1: All right. So reach out to us on all our social media. Let us know who you're a fan of and why. Talk to us. right. All right. At Sports Psych MDs. That's
0: right. At Sports Psych MDs. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're everywhere. LinkedIn. Come get us. Come find us. We're here. We're here for you. Our fans, right? I think once and for all, I'm finally going to refer to you guys as as our fans. Um, And we're fans of you as well. Like This is just all love. But we want to spark and stimulate the dialogue and the conversation. We want to we want to answer your questions. Um, we we want to we want to talk about mental health and sports and how we can improve the experience of the athlete. Okay, that's what this is all about. So, Mr. Trogio, Doctor Trogio, <laughs> right? Fan by day, superhero doctor by night. Let's uh, end the stigma.
1: Let's continue the conversation. There we go.